Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's Thursday. This is John Katsimatidis, and we got some show for you today. There's so many things happening on in the studio. We have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Tony Carbonetti, who was uh, deputy mayor uh, or chief of staff chief of under staff. Rudy Giuliani, and uh, Governor David Patterson. Me and Rita Cosby. Well, there's so many things happening. Now, uh, Bill O'Reilly was on Sid's show this morning, Sid Rosenberg's show to this morning. And he said it so well about dictators, about taking guns away from from citizens. From law and it's a hot topic, yeah. obviously, after the main shooting, but but he brought up some great points about the main law abiding. I don't know what the heck is going on up there. Still looking but for the guy. It's like you know what it reminds me of? The movie Rambo. I mean, this guy seems to be as good as Rambo. I was thinking the same thing, and yeah. I said, is everyone too young to remember this? I mean, no, I love this Rambo. Guy, one, two, and three. I mean, if this man needed mental help, they should give it to him, he not was, just put him in the streets. John, Sounds he like was he went screaming. For it. He, Sounds like he, he went was for it. screaming. He even, apparently, according to reports, admitted himself he was two weeks in a mental facility. And That's a long voices. time. They never and, should have let him out. Yeah, why was never he out? Never should let him out. And, and he's, by the way, he's a fire arms instructor. So his case Rambo. is scary. It is. It's just like Rambo. This is Rambo. And they All think he again. might be on a boat now. now this morning, uh, Bill O'Reilly was on Sid Rosenberg, and he had such a... It shows you how the dictators are taking guns away. They took it away. Hitler took the guns away. Stalin. Stalin took the guns away. And uh, Mao, Mao, Mao. Mao takes, took the guns away before they had absolute power. Now, what happened to the poor people in 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 Israel that didn't have guns? The people who had guns survived. The people that didn't have guns died. Yeah. How do you, who's going to protect your family? Absolutely. And look at and Maine. Maine, it's a rural area hey, too, John. You're going to dial nine one one and wait for help. Right. They can't listen. Let's Fair play. Chance. Let's play that. Let's clip. play that clip with Bill O'Reilly. The first thing the Third Reich did when it took over in 1933, was ban all guns. The first thing that Stalin did when he achieved power in Russia was to say, if you have a gun, that's a capital offense, we're going to shoot you in the back of the head, which he did. The first thing Mao Zedong did in 1949 was kill everybody who took opium, shot them down, and anybody who had a gun in their dwelling was shot down along with them. Maine is an outdoor state. Very few people live there. It's a big state if you look at the map. And people need self-protection in Maine because the counties cannot protect them. They're too big. So that Maine is a gun state. You can get a, a firearm there to protect you and your family. Progressive left wants to ban all guns in the hands of private citizens. All. That's their goal. You always have to know what the end game is. They're never going to do that because of the founding fathers and the Second Amendment. That will never happen in this country. That's what they want. But these kinds of stories crop up now every three or four months. There's no solution to the story. 
None. Banning guns is not going to stop mentally ill people from murdering innocents. There are 300 million guns now in America. Wow. Well, listen, let me tell you something. Legitimate people, they're trying to take guns away from legitimate people. Well, and already today, John. 97% of the crimes are by illegitimate people. They're always going to get the guns. And, and, the and nutty the illegitimate people, people always get guns. I mean, you could ban drugs, but there's there's nothing, nobody in the streets that doesn't have them. Well, today also, by the way, the White House, sure enough, Corinne Jean-Pierre, just a few hours ago, said we have to ban assault weapons. We have to do this. I think about the example we talked about earlier, Judge, was Switzerland, where Switzerland, they are they have guns. It's one of the safest societies because they know how to use it responsibly. They're trained. They have a very low crime rate safer, in Switzerland. Are you safer in Texas or in New York? Well, I, I don't think you're safe anywhere these days based on uh, our open border. Yeah. But that's a whole other and is story. It a, is it a gun issue or a mental health issue? Well, that's the that's the point. In this case, clearly, uh, the ball was dropped in so many ways. Well, listen, big issues also overseas. I understand uh, uh, John Bolton is on the line. Yep, he just called us in. We have former U.N. Ambassador John Bolton, who's here on the show. And uh, Mr. Ambassador, um, I want to get your take. This is this is this is such huge news today. This is stunning. I'm sure you heard this. Iran is trying to get access to the hostages that are in Gaza because they want some in Iran. That is chilling. Well, look, Iran has been calling the shots uh, for a long time with Hamas, with Hezbollah, with other terrorist groups in the region. Uh, the uh, administration, the Biden administration, is unwilling to see what's right in front of them, that Hamas didn't do this terrible barbaric attack on uh, October the 7th uh, at their own uh, decision. It was Iran that was calling the shots uh, and, and waiting to see what Israel's response is and what the U.S. response is. And right now, I have to say, in the face of this barbarity, they're seeing weakness and timidity. Uh, look, no, nobody wants to see a larger war, but the Israelis have been very clear that they don't want to live in fear of terror for the rest of the uh, of history. And they want to eradicate Hamas uh, and, and free the Israelis in that part of the country, really all over the country, from what they've been going through the past three weeks. If they don't start soon, the international pressure to do nothing will simply grow. And I don't know whether the Biden administration is fully complicit in it. We're not smart enough to see what's happening. Uh, but but delay works against Israel and works against the United States because we are uh, really the ultimate target for Iran. And, you know, the other thing, too, uh, before we get and Governor Patterson has a question for you in a second. But I, I want to throw another uh, big news thing that just came out a little bit ago. This, to me, is really terrifying too, Ambassador Bolton is that they are now, there are multiple reports, the State Department um, also confirmed it. You could tell they are very concerned that Hamas won't let Americans and others, basically anybody leaving the South, Gaza, they want to try to exit Gaza, obviously, um, and they're trying to get out and to get into Egypt. And now apparently there are multiple reports that there are armed Hamas uh, terrorists standing there saying, you can't leave the country, which is scary because there's still so many people there, including many Americans that are citizens there. Well, this tells you all you need to know about Hamas, although after October 7, it shouldn't require this. They are using uh, uh, Palestinians. They're using American citizens. They're using the hostages uh, and putting them at risk for their own purposes. It's totally cynical. So when people say, well, who's responsible for this? And isn't Israel going to be responsible if they go into the Gaza Strip? 
The answer to that is no. It's Hamas and Iran that are responsible for turning the Gaza Strip, in, in effect, into a terrorist base. If, if they want peace, if Iran wants peace, if Hamas wants peace, let the hostages go. How hard is that to figure out? Let the Americans who want to leave the Gaza Strip leave the Gaza Strip. They, they are exploiting people's perfectly understandable emotion about uh, protecting innocent civilians. But the people endangering the innocent civilians continue to be Hamas and Iran. Yeah, absolutely. Governor David Patterson, you got a question for Ambassador John Bolton. John, if you could turn the clock back. And in spite of the fact that Israel was caught a little off guard on, on October 7th, wouldn't the right thing for them to have done is just, just declare war and and not stop at, at, at any means? I mean, in other words, when we had uh, the incident of Hiroshima, that got us into the war and the, uh, the White House wanted to get in the war anyway. In other words, uh, couldn't they have just gone forward and really wiped up the, the Middle East with Hamas and anyone else who got in their way? Well, they could have gone a long way toward uh, toward doing real damage to Hamas. And, and that's why I think continued delay only hurts Israel in achieving that ultimate objective. And it's going right. to hurt us, too, because the real threat coming from Iran is, is that, that they haven't paid any price there at all. The mullahs uh, in Tehran are, are safer than people are in New York these days. Uh, and I think in the Middle East in particular, they, they recognize strength. They talk about who's the strong horse. And, and we know in the region it's Israel. But but Biden has his hand around Bibi's belt. Uh, they're not letting people go forward. It's a it's a it's look, it's going to be risky and it's going to be unpleasant. But if you believe that you're entitled to live free from terror and you've been attacked like Israel's been, you have a right to defend yourself up to and including eliminating the threat of terror itself. Yeah, I agree. And and some of these people are like, oh, ceasefire. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's like saying after 9-11, uh, ceasefire now that uh, the terrorists got their uh, licks in. I mean, it's exactly. stunning. And, and just to be clear, the law of war here is you can only hit legitimate military targets. I, I don't think Israel's proposing to do anything else. And you have to make sure that it's uh, militarily worthwhile if it's going to cause casualties to civilians, that the military worth of the target outweighs the the, the damage that might be done to civilian pe- to, to people and civilian structures. And that's what Israel's trying to do. War is ugly and there will be civilians killed. Hamas started it by killing 1,400 uh, Israelis and putting their own people at risk, using them as human shields. You know, they have headquarters facilities and weapons storage facilities in the basements of hospitals, schools, mosques, uh, uh, civilian apartment buildings. All of this uh, will come out, I think, when the Israelis flush Hamas uh, out of the Gaza Strip. Mr. Ambassador, see those tunnels under the cities and how extensive they are. Mr. Ambassador, Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. Good to talk to you again. So if you were in the White House now or and advising the president of the United States and the, the cabinet, what would you tell them to do vis-a-vis Iran? to pay a price and i said i'm to be very specific i think targets in iran have to be destroyed uh there are a lot of them that come to mind i think some of the nuclear facilities uh perhaps the Quds force headquarters the revolutionary guards uh external force i think that uh, could go i think mis- uh, uh, air defense systems uh, to show how vulnerable uh, iran is i believe the regime in iran is shakier than it's been at any point since it came to power uh, after the Masi Amini murder last year, 
uh, it's just really brought to the surface how unpopular the regime is. We shouldn't be coddling that regime. Uh, we should be putting all the pressure on it we can. Uh, I'm not saying that has to be today or tomorrow. Uh, Israel has its hands full with Hamas right on the ground. now. But in the strategic picture, the strategic picture starts in Tehran. Yep. And as former Secretary of State Al Haig once said, go to the source. Absolutely. Well, uh, former U.N. Ambassador John Bolton, thank you very much. Obviously, such an important, serious time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you. And now we have Professor Alan Dershowitz uh, joins us well, now. So many things happen. Where do we begin? Uh, Alan, where well, do we begin? We begin, first of all, by me backing what the ambassador said 100 percent. The United States and Israel must target the Iranian nuclear facilities. Not today, not tomorrow, but they have to pay a price. Let, let me mention one other thing that people don't realize. How many wonder how many of your listeners know of an organization called <clears throat> the National Lawyers Guild? It's the alternative to the American Bar Association. There are National Lawyers Guild branches in every major law school in the country. And on the day after these horrible, horrible beheadings took place, the National Lawyers Guild issued a statement supporting what Hamas did, saying it was proper, a battle, that you can use any means toward any end. Well, the Professor Dershowitz, tell everybody how many lawyers are in this guild. I mean, there are thousands of them, and many of them are teaching in American law schools. Many of them are associates today in big New York firms. They have their tentacles all over the place. And what I want to do, and I've started a campaign, I want to expose the names of every single member of the National Lawyers Guild who signed on to or who agrees with this racist defense of rapists and murderers. I want every client to know they're being represented by somebody who defends rapists and murderers. I'm on a campaign now. I will disclose, personally disclose the names of those people, just like I will disclose the names of Harvard students who signed on to that petition. I know Harvard has set up a committee to protect these students. Well, they're going to have to protect them from me a former Harvard professor or an emeritus Harvard professor, because I'm going to become their biggest problem. Wow. Well, professor Dershowitz, this is uh, to... the one who discloses their names. Bravo. I want every lawyer in America, every client in America to know who these people are. That's consistent with free speech, the marketplace of ideas and uh, transparency. That's the name of the I game. I have the same thing. I want to disclose there's only three weeks to the city council election, 51 out of 51 seats. All the city council people that want to defund the police, right. the New Yorkers have the right to know who they are. Yeah. John, you I just have, said I, it. I have on my website today, I posted a photograph, the picture of the woman who was holding up a sign, putting a Star of David in a garbage can, which is, of course, what the Nazis used to say and what Tomas says. So there's a picture of a student, and I put it on my website, and I've called for everybody to identify her. I want to know her name. I want everybody to know her name. You cannot hide if you're a bigot, if you believe in lynching of blacks, if you believe in raping of women, if you believe in killing gay people. You cannot hide. If you advocate those positions, then you must be willing to state who you are and and, and defend what you've done. The same I, thing yep, I agree. Uh, Hamas thing. I so agree. I'm now on a campaign. And I will name the names. You know, people will call me a McCarthyite. No, that's not McCarthyism. McCarthyism was going after people's personal sex lives, uh, giving their addresses. No, I just want their names. 
I just want to know who you are. If you're John Smith and you sign this and you want to represent me in a law firm, in a lawsuit from a law firm, no. If you want to be my doctor, no, I don't trust you to be my doctor if you believe in beheading. And so medical schools also have to disclose the names of interns or residents or doctors who have signed on to these things. You cannot hide behind institutional or club names, Amnesty International or Students for Justice in Palestine. These statements weren't written by, written by artificial intelligence. They Alan, I, uh, actual human beings, and I want to know their names, and you have a right to know their names. Okay, Professor Dershowitz, great points. Let me bring in Tony Carbonetti first here. Uh, Alan, I agree with you 100%, but I also say I think we're partially to blame. This is the generation that we allowed to grow up hating America. Right. We let them talk poorly about our founding fathers, that we stole land from the indigenous people. We took California from the Mexicans. Tear down the statues. Which I used to tell my kids, go to school and tell, the, tell your teacher they can have California back and with everyone in it. But <laughs> I, I, I'm only half joking. Like We let yeah. these kids grow up hating us. Well, they hate Christianity. They hate Judaism. Yes. They hate America. They hate Western values. Um, the National Lawyers Guild was taken over by the Communist Party and by the Soviet Union when it was first founded. They supported the Hitler-Stalin Pact, and then uh, they supported Hitler. And then they were taken over in the 1970s by radical leftists and became the legal arm of the anti-Israel movement, which is what they are uh, today. And so why should people not, if, they, if you're proudly a member of the National Lawyers Guild at NYU or at Columbia or at Harvard or at Yale or at Fordham, all of those schools have chapters in the National Lawyers Guild. Disclose the names. You can't hide. Why are you embarrassed? Why are you wearing masks? Are you so ashamed of your views that you're not prepared to stand behind them? That's outrageous, and it's cowardice, and schools should not be coddling these adults. Yeah, saying, I, I oh agree. God, uh, we're going to be helping you. Help prof- the Jews. Professor Dershowitz. In, uh, in a room and trapped yesterday at, uh, at, at a Cooper Union. Yeah, Cooper, Cooper Union. Union. I was going to bring that up where they were hiding. Yeah. And it's horrific, by the way, um, Professor Dershowitz, because you see these pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas protesters. They, they are they're shouting, pro- but they are shouting. They're pro-Hamas. They, they are shouting, let us in. Yeah. And you see these young yeah. Jewish students. Yeah. Uh, it, it is so sad. It, it's just, yeah. it, it's shocking. But- Never use the term pro-Palestinian. This is the most anti-Palestinian group ever. I'm pro-Palestinian. I believe in the two-state solution. I want to see Israel living in peace next to Palestinians. I want to see the Palestinians live good lives, live democratic lives. I want to see all that. That's a common-sense approach. Yes. is against the two-state solution. It wants to see no Jew ever in what is now Israel. Yeah, it's stunning. It is. pro-Palestine. It's anti-Palestinian, anti-Israel. Anti-humanity. Anti-humanity. Let me bring in uh, David Patterson. Asked and answered. I wanted to ask Alan to kind of review the history of the National Lawyers Guild, but he already did, so I withdraw. (laughs) Ah, All right. I understand. be a member Uh, of the National Lawyers Guild. What what was the name of the other organization now is defending Trump? ACLU. Oh, the ACLU. 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 ACLU has made a statement that uh, uh, that Trump deserves, uh, you know, a gag order. Yeah, that he shouldn't be gagged. That he should not be gagged. Doing that, I've been pushing that for a long time. Finally, the ACLU has seen the light. I guarantee you that the National Lawyers Guild will not do that. They only defend 
the rights of terrorists, radicals, murderers, rapists, uh, people well, breaking on the news? hard, hard left. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, breaking this, news a second, Professor. Yep, One yep, second. yep, yep, yep. Breaking news. WABC. Yeah, this just coming in. This is about uh, the main shooting. Remember the uh, guy who is, of course, a skilled marksman who's on the run. Uh, the FBI surrounded a home that was associated with him and some loud bang sounds came out of the house. Uh, we don't know what it is, but they apparently are cornering in on a home that he owned. So uh, we'll find out. Hopefully they get this guy. It looks like Rambo might be yes. gotten. Yeah, Rambo may be, uh, may be gone. But, boy, let's see what happens. We'll keep you posted here, of course, Professor, on Cats and thank Crosby. You. Thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to spending more time with you, and, uh, and uh, we'll catch up. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank, Thank you. you. Keep Let's that take passion a break. up. Let's take a break, and we have some more breaking news from John Solomon when we get back from the break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news. WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is the founder of Just the News, great investigative journalist John Solomon. Lots of big stuff tied to the Bidens. Fill us in. Yes, uh, just a few minutes ago, House uh, Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer sent a letter to the White House saying, hey, I know you're claiming that when Joe Biden got that $200,000 check from his brother, something that was revealed last week, you said it was a loan, but we got the bank records. We don't see a loan going back and forth. Show us the money. And so uh, the first formal request to the White House for a financial record of the president just was transmitted a few minutes ago. That's getting a lot of buzz in Washington. And I think the bigger story, though, is all the evidence that we are learning of the FBI and the Delaware U.S. attorney dragging their feet in the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden investigation. Explosive testimony from former U.S. attorney Scott Brady. He was the Pittsburgh chief prosecutor, asked to look at the Ukraine Biden family allegations, the corruption allegations. He said he couldn't get the FBI to engage. He couldn't get the Delaware U.S. attorney's office to engage even after he had concluded that the information from an FBI informant that Joe Biden might have received a $10 million bribe was credible enough to warrant a full investigation. Nobody, nobody would answer the phone call. No one would get involved. He said it was a challenging working relationship is the word he used to Congress. Now, John, there's also, is this correct that uh, Senator Chuck Grassley was saying 40 confidential sources providing criminal information related to the Biden family to the FBI? Tell us about that. That's funny. I was talking to a former uh, FBI agent who worked the mob. He said, I never had 40 informants informing on one family. What's up with the Bidens? Uh, that's right. Chuck Grassley said more than 40 FBI confidential informants had provided information of possible criminal activity by one of the Bidens, Joe, James or Hunter. Uh, and that in, just like what uh, Prosecutor Brady just said in his testimony, the FBI just seemed to be incurious about it. They wouldn't look into it no matter how much information flowed in. I think you're beginning to get the second end of the scandal. The first end of the scandal is the money and the corruption. The second end is the cover-up. And now people are coming out of the woodwork, DOJ and FBI officials, saying here's what the cover-up looks like. Now, that reminds me uh, when uh, the, the FBI broke, broke into Rudy Giuliani's uh, uh, apartment, and Rudy says, well, here's the Hunter Biden uh, The hard drive, right. The hard right. drive. So, oh, no, we, we don't, don't want that. that. We can't, we're not allowed that. to take that. <laughs> it's exactly what was being said time and again. You, you know, look sometimes, at what, John Solomon, sometimes you don't know if we should cry or laugh. 
Yeah, no, it's listen, there is a institution that needs a lot of reform and it's called the FBI and it's going to take another election to get there. But we're getting an incredible amount of facts. And you always say this, John, and I think we just want the truth. Thing. That's right. We just want the truth. The people figured out. I think they're getting the truth now. Now, what about the new speaker? Now, we have a House speaker, all right? You've got Mike Ooh. Johnson. Uh, he did the resolution on Israel, which I say bravo, yes. supporting Israel. Uh, what is he going to do? How is this going to affect the investigations? Will it be turbocharged with all this stuff now? Absolutely. There won't be any uh, dawdling and there won't be any indecisiveness. Watch out. Lots more subpoenas are going to be coming soon. I think he'll be bullish on investigations. He'll be bullish on reducing the debt, bullish on tackling inflation, and bullish on taking care of the border. He will not walk away with a budget deal without some improvement in border security. Those are going to be his priorities. I've interviewed him many times. He's he's a meek on the outside, but he's a tiger on the inside. He's going to get a lot done. He's a very uh, focused person and determined. He's not a guy that bends easily. Yeah, good. I like that. I like uh, the tiger on the inside, meek on the outside. That's a great description. John Solomon, thank you so much. You always have some great scoops. Thank you for joining us here on Cats and Cosby. Great to be with you. Well, that John Solomon is one smart guy. It yeah. is. And he said they're going full steam ahead with the investigations. Now they have a House speaker, John. Well, the other breaking news is coming aboard, and I'm trying to track it down, uh, which particular police said. The police are telling Jews to be careful what areas in Brooklyn to go to, especially stay away from Hamas gatherings. Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, like I NYPD, guess what they're saying is that we're not going to be able to protect you. Yeah, isn't that scary uh, that apparently where there are a couple protests planned uh, in, of course, on the Shabbat afternoon in the Crown Heights neighborhood, which is obviously a huge Jewish community here, um, saying that they're planning these big, big protests. Stay away. It's just too dangerous. Uh, I mean, how scary is this, John, that, you know, we're hearing the reports of what happened at Cooper Union. We're hearing this. Um, and then I, I still keep I can't even believe GW, GW University in D.C. had a big blaring projection on the side of the wall on campus saying, you know, bless our martyrs, bless our martyrs, referring to Hamas, Tony Carbonetti. What is going on? Well, I tell I say everyone has a right to their own free speech. I don't have to agree with you, but you have no right to violence and you have no right to call for violence. And those people are dead wrong. And there should be people on the other side protesting them. And you should never feel, if you have something to say, like you, you, the cops should not be telling people if they want to go and do an anti-rally to whatever someone's doing, the police should not tell them to stay away. They have just as, my, as much right to go say what they want to say. And the police should be protecting them. Governor, anything? You know, it was interesting uh, amid the, what was going on in Maine last night, there was a report that, 800 off-duty police officers got together in Queens to discuss their retirement and that there's so many of them signed mm. up that next in, in the next couple of months, they're going to have another group of 800 police officers who will be eligible for retirement in the next couple of years. And they're basically That's uh, not good. They're basically That's organizing sad. their their, uh, you know, they're leaving the force. Who's going to replace them? Um they're rookies. They're not rookies. Be, nobody. They're not, be, they're not being replaced. Their numbers not being. are down considerably. They're having a hard time getting good good recruits. They've created an atmosphere where people do not want to be law enforcement. An honored, cherished position of respect has been diminished. It's been attacked by the city council. It's been attacked by the state legislature. This is absolutely awful. And the citizens, the good citizens, law-abiding people, are paying the price for this 
climber of lawlessness. It's I crazy. I didn't know I could get his honor so upset. Yeah. That but, is true. But and, 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 and to John's point, you've got the city council elections are in two weeks. And there are some people that are on the ballot that are blatantly defund the police, have made comments in Anybody the past. Anybody who votes for a Democrat socialist, by the way, working party candidate, working families party candidate, is out of their minds. They're voting for the destruction of New York. Yeah, before, can we get worse? Before we take a break, I, we, I tracked down the story. It's in the New York Post. Uh, and, uh, and the headline of the New York Post is, rather than protecting Jews, Authorities are telling him to hide again. No, yeah, that's, you need to protect that, them. Yeah, that's John Podhoritz. Right uh, that's I saw that John. Not that, the right answer. That's that's stay away because guess what? It's so dangerous. How sad is that? Good people need to stand up and say this well, should not uh, be tolerated. Listen, Rita, I've Can't said it already. I said it already. Walking around Manhattan, David, David Patterson, Governor Patterson, you live in Manhattan. Tony Carbonetti, you live in Manhattan, but you're one tough guy. And Judge Weinberg, we need more Italians we, in Manhattan. Is yeah, what we need with Rocky Calavito baseball bat. Yeah, we need you. <laughs> you, you, you know we what, need you. Years ago, the KKK applied for a rally to hold a, an event downtown. Yeah, and initially the mayor wanted to n- deny it. He did deny it. The courts made us issue a permit. Okay, we had to protect the KKK. Thank God, more people came out to protest against them. Then, you know, then actually were, were KKK members, but they got their, their free speech, but then there were more people shouting them down. So let me tell you, let me tell you, Tony, if the KKK was protesting on college campuses, it would last about five seconds. And that's what it should last on a college campus. So these pro Hamas should not last either. Not at all. Um, and here, this is some of the stuff we're watching, some of the video. Yeah. This is from the Cooper right. Union, which let's, is uh, uh, let's, incredible. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we're coming back with uh, Congressman uh, Robert Whit- Whitteman. Yep, Whitman. Robert Whitman. He Whitman, was, and what is he going to talk um, about? He is going to talk about what's going on with U.S. troops now headed to the Middle East. This is upping the ante, guys. Very serious stuff. Lots of big and news. Then, and then we got Newt Gingrich to talk about the new speaker and tell us some uh, secrets. What the heck is going on? Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Our next guest is Congressman Rob Whitman. He was first elected to the U.S. Congress to serve Virginia's first congressional district back in 2007. And he is the vice chairman of the full committee for the House Armed Services Committee. Very important position. Uh, we're thrilled to have you here, Congressman. And, you know, in this climate now, we just heard the news that a thousand U.S. troops are headed to the Mideast, another thousand on standby. Uh, where is this headed with Israel? Well, Rita, I think this is an effort to deter further involvement by Iran. You heard the Iranian foreign minister at the U.N., threaten the United States and say that they would take action against the United States, that we're going to stand strong and defend Israel, but we're going to make sure that things don't escalate in that region. We are going to make sure that Hezbollah doesn't get involved. And if they do, there will be consequences. So what you're hearing is we sent another U.S. Navy aircraft carrier with multiple surface ships to the eastern Mediterranean. Uh, you heard additional troops there with the uh, Three U.S. Navy amphibious ships, along with their embarked Marines, are in the region and some on their way. The Air Force is doubling the number of fighter aircraft in the region. We will have a presence there that will deter 
the Iranians and Hezbollah from getting involved. And if they do get involved, there will be consequences for that. We will come to the aid of Israel. And everybody, we are talking to Congressman Rob Whitman. Judge Richard Weinberg, you've got a question. Welcome aboard, Congressman. Good to talk to you, sir. What I'm concerned about is we're sending the fleets there. We're sending the soldiers there. We keep saying don't. There's been at least 14 or 16 instances where they made the attacks. I see a lot of... uh, violations of the don't rule, and I don't see any action from this administration. What are your thoughts? Well, Judge, Judge, you bring up a great point. We, at some point, you have to take action. The president yesterday said, hey, don't do it again, or we're going to take action. You do have to take action. We've seen uh, are now numbering almost 20 attacks on U.S. troops in Syria and Iraq. That cannot continue. When you're endangering our troops, when you potentially are taking the lives of our troops, then there needs to be consequences. And the only way that you deter that is to say, okay, this is it. Any additional attacks, there will be a greater response, not an equal response, but a greater response. That's the only way to deter these attacks. I believe Iran is perpetrating these attacks to probe and see what is the U.S. reaction. There needs to be a swift and greater reaction the next time there's an attack. It should have been previous. I mean, you, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's satisfactory to say, okay, 20 attacks, we're not going to do anything. I think action should have taken place long ago, but you can't allow any more to take place without there being a significant response, and not just equal, but a greater response in return to Iraq. Congressman, it's Tony Carbonetti. Well, why doesn't the military demand a at least an attack on the Republican Guard? G- give us a military target if they're going to start attacking our military. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You need to go after the RCG. They are the perpetrators of these these attacks. And you need to go after their capability, Tony. I need to make sure that you're going not only after those units, but you have to be able to go after their weapon stores. You have to go after the weapons that they're using to, to attack the United States. There has to be a consequence of this. You can't hit tangential targets. You have to hit them and take away that capability. That has to happen now. The weapons they're sending the Hezbollah, where are they being made? Well, a Take lot of those are facility. advanced weapons. Yeah, exactly. Take out the facilities that are making them. A lot of them are being made in Iran. There are advanced manufacturing facilities in places like Lebanon. Uh, the thing that, that doesn't make the headlines is that the weapons that Hezbollah have are advanced weapons. These are weapons that can, can reach Tel Aviv. They're precision weapons. They're not like Hamas. And there are over 130,000 of these weapons that could overwhelm Iron Dome, could overwhelm Arrow and David Sling. That's what worries, I think, folks across the spectrum is when you overwhelm those systems, then all of a sudden there's going to be real consequences in places all across Israel. Yeah, and Congressman uh, Rob Whitman, you know the other thing that's so scary, you're talking, you and Tony talking about Iran here, which is, I agree with you, uh, you got to get the head of the snake. But what's really scary, in the last few hours, Iran is coming out saying they want some of the hostages that are being held in Gaza we're also hearing that, I don't know if you heard this report, that Hamas, multiple very well-armed Hamas terrorists are standing there at the border of Gaza, not letting any of the citizens leave Gaza, including American citizens that were living there in the Palestinian territory. This is really scary stuff. It is. If you're not allowing citizens that want to leave to leave, then you are essentially putting them in place to be, uh, to be at risk in any sort of conflict that takes place there. As you know, too, the discussions about uh, releasing prisoners, you see that Hamas and Iran and others are saying you've got to release the 6,000 Palestinians that are being held 
by Israel. This is not in any way, shape, or form even a, a thoughtful proposal about what you would do to release hostages. So this isn't even an attempt to be serious about this. Hamas is doing everything they can to intimidate, to threaten. That's not the way you go about this. And for those folks out there that are pro-Palestinian, this is, is counter to what we must do in order to allow Israel to protect itself, to make sure, too, that we have at least a chance to get the prisoners, both U.S. and Israelis that are being held in Gaza, out. Uh, you cannot capitulate to Hamas. You cannot capitulate to these outrageous demands. You have to say, no, if we're going to do this, it's going to be verifiable and it is going to require a, a, at the very least, a one-to-one uh, exchange. And I, I'm, I'm one that's not necessarily in favor of that sort of exchange because I think that the circumstances under which Israelis and Americans were taken hostage there uh, is itself barbaric. And that's, that, that is not how I think you should go about having the discussion with Hamas. But that being said, uh, the demands the that they're making are so outrageous, I don't think you can even entertain them. And before we let you go, Congressman Rob Whitman, um, your thoughts about the new speaker? Uh, because we obviously have a brand new House speaker. I'm sure you know Mike Johnson. Um, and what role do you think Congress can have in all of this now that finally there is a speaker? Well, listen, I think Congress plays a central role. There's a reason that Article 1 is first, and that is the legislative branch, I think, is central to what needs to happen to make sure we're defending Israel and doing the things necessary there. Mike and I serve on the Armed Services Committee together. I love Mike Johnson. He is very thoughtful. He gets it. He has the background on armed services. He represents a district that has a strong military presence. He's just the type of leader that we need. He listens. He's thoughtful. He's about getting it done. You know, I think he's the right person in the right place at the right time. I look forward to working with him. I think folks across our conference look forward to working with him. I think he will be the person to get things done, especially in a world today that is incredibly challenging, incredibly dangerous, and takes this sort of leadership. I think Mike Johnson is that person. Well, we thank you so much for being with us. Congressman Rob Whitman, really important. you got to come back on again soon. Thanks so much, Rita. We will do that. Thank you very much. Wow. Okay, that's um, scary stuff, you guys. As, as as now, Iran can eat. All I think about is the 1970s with Iran parading our hostages. Remember the American hostages uh, being, you know, blindfolded. Terry Anderson, who I remember interviewing well, years later. This is scary stuff right now. Yep. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with Newt Gingrich to give us uh, what what the heck is going on in Congress. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. So much happening in Washington and also so many protests all over the country, too, as well. For all the big developments, uh, let's go to former Speaker Newt Gingrich. Uh, Newt, we love having you here on the show, Mr. Speaker. Uh, first, your thoughts. Um, I, I want to get your take on on these protests. Uh, because to me, it's disgusting when I see these protesters out there on the streets of the United States that are pro-Hamas. And there are a number of people who can say, deport some of these foreign students. They're, they're, they're staying here at the pleasure of America, and they're threatening terrorism. Well, remember, we're talking, I, I, they're not pro-Hamas, they're pro-terrorist. And I think every time we start to say the word Hamas, we should replace it 
with the word terrorist. Uh, and we should remember that these terrorists have killed at least 32 Americans, have a number of Americans hostage. We also have to remember that the ultimate backers of the terrorists, Iran, has apparently uh, sponsored at least 14 different attacks on Americans in the last two weeks around Syria and Iraq. Uh, and I think we should deal with this exactly as we did with the Soviet Union in the Cold War. Uh, any, any, anyone who is demonstrating who is here on a green card or a student visa should be deported. Anyone who's here demonstrating who's here illegally should be deported. Uh, anyone who threatens uh, Jewish citizens, such as the students who were threatened at the library yesterday, uh, should be charged with a hate crime. Uh, and we should, you know, why, why is it that the FBI can go after parents, they can go after right-to-life Catholics? Uh, somehow they have, they have their values and their structure totally distorted. And why is it that the Biden administration can't come out bluntly and condemn this kind of behavior? And also, why is it that the Biden administration hasn't hit Iran? I mean, Iran has been trying to kill Americans for two weeks. And other than pious statements from Secretary Blinken and President Biden, we've seen no action that would in any way cause the Iranians pain. Nobody understands it. Nobody understands why we're not reacting and just allowing them to to abuse our soldiers and and to attack us and telling Israel to basically wait too at the same time, you know. I mean, this is crazy. Well, I, I think what you have is, of course, we we know that there are Iranian agents in the State Department and in the Defense Department. We know that the top negotiator with Iran was an Iranian agent under both Obama and Biden. Uh, we know that that there is a wing of the Democratic Party that's pro-terrorist. You'll notice that there were nine votes against a resolution that Israel should be able to defend itself. Uh, all nine votes are Democrats who are pro-terrorist. Uh, and I think we just have to call them out and be blunt and direct about it. Uh, and uh, I think that this is a real defi- defining line for the country. Mr. Speaker, it's Tony Carbonetti. How are you? Um, uh, again, our, our military is not saying to the White House, hey, we're being targeted in you know a number of places now. We want to hit a Iranian military target. We need to show them that you can't take shots at our guys and not have any retaliation. How is the military not doing that? Well, I think they are. I don't know. I think to no answer I think the, the military. I think the military is very frustrated. I think that they 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 have realized that they have they they either have a president who is pro Iranian or a president who's so weak that it doesn't matter. And they have a Secretary of State who is so totally wrong about how the world works that it's frightening. Um, I remember but, hearing John but, McCain say that. But, and by the way, you've got there are a lot of things you can do uh, that don't involve putting American troops on the ground. You could you could go. We have such total naval dominance. You could scoop up every Iranian ship carrying oil. I, I agree. I don't want to put <laughs> troops on the ground. I want to strike you know, a military target every time they strike our guys. Well, and, and we have, I think, one of the carrier battle groups has over 800 Tomahawk missiles. So you could literally say every time you fire, every time anything is fired in American, we're hitting an Iranian military target. Exactly. But, but new, again, you're saying this. I wouldn't worry about Hezbollah. I would tell the Iranians, if you don't control your puppets, 
We're coming for you. We're not coming for them. But Newt, you, I, I, I agree with you, and I agree with you and Tony, but this is coming from an administration. I was watching the press briefing today, and all you hear is don't. The president keeps saying don't. He, this guy won't. This president, as you know, he isn't even enforcing the sanctions that are on the books with oil sales. How do you think Iran is making? We were just talking about it. Two billion dollars a week on oil sales. That's funding right. the Houthis. It's funding Hezbollah. It's funding Hamas. I mean, we don't even enforce sanctions. How are you going to take military action? They're not even doing baby steps. Well, I think I think they're at a real crossroads for some reason. Obama had this this idea that we could somehow turn Iran into an ally. And they were willing to overlook everything to try to make this fantasy come true. And and Biden picked up the same fantasy. Uh, and that's what it is. It's a fantasy. It's not going to happen. Uh, you know, when people chant death to Israel and death to America, as a historian, I, I want to warn them. Usually when fanatics chant something like that, they mean it. Mr. Speaker, it's Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. Good to talk to you again. What about what I call the delusion of a two-state solution? How are you going to have a two-state solution when they're dedicated to wiping Israel off the map and wiping off the, any Jewish presence off in the Middle East? Well, I think I think you have to break the capacity to fight um, in terms of the terrorists. And that means you've got to be prepared to go in and ultimately impose uh, sufficient policing powers uh, to, to stop them. You know, we, we arrested an amazing number of people in Nazi Germany in the first year after the war. I mean, we, we were very determined to break the back of Nazism, and we did. Uh, and I think you have a similar situation here. Uh, they, have, they have been running schools that teach anti-Semitism. They've been running schools that teach killing Jews. Uh, they've had reward systems. And we shouldn't give a penny to a Palestinian authority, which is giving money out to suicide bombers' families. I mean, this whole notion, we, we have tolerated the intolerable, and as a result, of course, is it just gets worse. Yeah, we keep sending money there. Um, we are speaking to uh, former Speaker Newt Gingrich. Uh, Governor David Patterson, you've got a question for him. Mr. Speaker, I was wondering how long you think we have to get our act together before it'll actually be too late. In other words, it's really getting to a point which is so dangerous that we may wake up one day and someone's attacking us this way. Look, I, I think we are already in a crisis. I, I think this is as bad as 1938 or 1939 uh, between Russia attacking Ukraine, uh, Iran attacking uh, through its various puppets, uh, the Chinese uh, trying to push uh, the Philippines and trying to push uh, Taiwan. Uh, I, I think people really underestimate how dangerous the world has become. And, of course, you have an administration which is both ideologically crazy uh, and has a president who is, uh, on a good day, not not very strong in terms of cognitive ability. And, uh, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, we don't have a commander-in-chief. We have sort of a mumbler-in-chief. And I, I think most of the world has now taken his measure and concluded that he's a paper tiger. It doesn't do you any good to send two nuclear carrier battle groups to the eastern Mediterranean if they're just going to be a postcard. If you're not prepared to use them, you actually look weaker for having sent and them. And God forbid and one of them just, takes a hit. Well, that's right. And it's, it's possible, although I think against uh, the Iranian-quality opponents, we're probably pretty good at protecting ourselves. I agree with but that. I think, you know, but I think we should be prepared 
to, to cause so much pain to the Iranian dictatorship that they decide for a generation not to try to push us around. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I'm shaking my head because I'm sitting here thinking, as you are, Newt Gingrich, at this president who just doesn't even articulate uh, that strength, let alone enforce it. You know, I mean, it's, it is a scary premise. This, this man makes Neville Chamberlain look like a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even the governor's laughing there. Oh, wow. wow. We are in tough situation. Well, Newt Gingrich, thank you so much, Mr. Speaker. We love having Good you on. Thank you. Thank you. And boy, you guys, after this, what do we all stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America and God bless Israel.